Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Baptism is when God does for one what God will eventually do for everyone. Show them that they have always belonged in God's holy family. This season before Christmas in the church is called Advent. And the word Advent means coming. In the Bible, Jesus Christ is constantly referred to as the one who is coming. And this really tells us something deep about the nature of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, I know that there are some Christians who obsess over something that they call the second coming, not a phrase you'll actually find in the Bible for what it's worth. I find it better to discover actually what Jesus Christ is always doing. It's like we get this glimpse that for all of eternity, the living God is going to keep coming closer. And as close as you think God has got, this God says, oh, we're just getting started. For all of eternity, God will come closer to us in Jesus Christ. Now, God sends people to us to let us know that this coming Jesus is coming toward us like a freight train. The people that God sends to tell us that this is happening are called prophets. Now, Israel's prophets, these are not fortune tellers peddling mysterious secrets about what's going to happen in the future if you pay the right price to their Venmo. These prophets are not charming charlatans who conjure the divine in order to just spill the beans about what God's future looks like. No, these are prophets. They are messengers. Really, they are the kind of people who just point 
These messengers, if you get time to ask them if they like this work, <laughs> they will say, who told you I liked this? I didn't ask for this. I got co-opted into this line of work, frankly, against my better judgment. And I've been sent because this was God's idea of a good time for my life, not mine. I had a perfectly fine life until God messed it up. Now, I've been sent by God to tell you that God's coming closer to you. You've already heard the prophet say from Isaiah, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And my fellow handle nerds, uh, I can't not just want to sing that song, though I want you to come back so I won't sing for you. But I'm not quite sure that anybody really thought the comfort was going to come the way that it did. You can accuse John the Baptist of a lot of things, but comfort? I'm not sure that's one of them. John is not a prophet, only. He grew up, he's the son of a priest, all right? So he grew up coming from a long line of priests. And frankly, everybody kind of expected John to take up the family business. And John's that kind of guy who, you know, his mama, Elizabeth, you know, everybody around her would just say, don't ask her about John. It's a little embarrassing. You know, we had such high promise for him and it just gets her all worked up. Just don't, don't talk about him right now. Talk about something else. John should have been a priest working in the temple, saying his prayers, butchering animals. But instead, no, he grows up and becomes a performance artist. Elizabeth's dream come true. Now, he stages these performance pieces, and in his latest one, he says, you're going to have to come out here because I'm playing with our people's most sacred images. I'm doing my next pop-up in the wilderness. Now, when you live in Houston in 2023, you may think that that sounds like a delightful way to spend your weekend. Just throw the Subaru and get in and go and, you know, spend some time out, out there glamping. This is not where John is. You did not want to end up and spend a lot of time in the wilderness. This is basically where you would go to die. This is dangerous territory that is, frankly, rated with deep theological meaning. I mean, this is where God's people sojourned for 40 years. So John says, meet me out there if you want to see what I'm up to next. And then he makes his, the people who come out, this exhibit, this performance, he makes it interactive. And he says, you remember how God saved our people through water? Let's do that again. Let's just see if we can't whip up a little Exodus right here again. And he gets into the Jordan River, another site of numerous miraculous moments in God's people's history. Now, this provocateur prophet pushes his performance even further. And he says, uh, the locusts, please, and the honey. And he takes these locusts and he dips them into honey and just starts eating them in front of people. Now, I don't, I don't know how much you, money you would throw down to see somebody do that, um, but, you know, it's pretty kinky. And he, uh, he, he's, once again, not just being weird, he is using all of these deep symbols. I mean, think about how often the locusts have served as a sign of judgment. 
for God's chosen people. This is literally one of the plagues, right? So he takes that, but then he dips it in honey. The promised land flows with milk and honey. So here's John, getting everybody out to the wilderness, plunging bodies through water, and he's dipping the locust of God's judgment into the honey of God's sweet mercy. And he's making a communion out of them. Now this art show becomes quite participatory because he says, okay, if all of you were brave enough to come out here, repent, confess your sins, and be baptized. That's my message for you. Like it or not, God is coming to be with you. And so you should take great comfort in knowing that you will never be abandoned by this God. The best news and the worst news is that God is coming to be with you, whether you like it or not, whether you ask for it or not, whether you want it or not, whether that sounds like a blessed thing to you or a terrible thing to you. All I'm here to tell you is that God's coming to be with you. So be baptized because baptism is when God does for one what God will eventually do for every which is show them that they have always belonged in God's holy family. Now, I find Arch, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams' take on baptism to be really instructive here. He says baptism means that we get plunged into the depths with Jesus, into the depths of human need, into the depths of our own selves in need but also into the depths of God's love where the spirit is constantly recreating and refreshing human life into the way that we are supposed to be truly human. Last week, you heard the prophet Isaiah long for the day when God would just rip open the heavens and come down and start fixing things. But we get a little bit of that at every baptism. There's an intensity about God's proximity that doesn't always feel the need to gently coddle our preconceived ideas about what we think life with God is supposed to be like. Baptism just kind of rips it all open and tears it upside down from inside out. I mean, I wonder if you walked in today feeling like your life has been ripped open and turned inside out and upside down. Sometimes our world feels that way. No matter how many times racism peddles the lie that it's just a regrettable thing in the past. It doesn't accurately show us who we are in this country. It always finds ways just to show us once again how deeply possessed this nation is by racism. Christian nationalism continues to capture the imagination of so many people who can't hear the, you know, irony or the oxymoron in Christian nationalism. I mean, how many more people are going to have to die in Gaza? I mean, the world is just ripping open. And we say, hey, come down. Baptism is when God rips open the heavens, comes down and does for one what God will eventually do for everyone, which is show them you have always belonged in God's holy faith. In baptism, God rips open our old ways of life and beckons us into new ways of life with the assurance that we have always been God's beloved children. 
Rowan Williams goes on to say that if all of this is correct, baptism does not confer upon us a status that makes us a little more pinkies up than everybody else. That's my riff on Rowan Williams, at least. He says it doesn't give us an extra dignity or a sort of privilege that keeps us separate and superior from others. No, baptism makes us claim a new level of solidarity with everybody. Yes, baptism is when we are washed and cleansed and recreated, but it is also when we are pushed further into human situations that might not leave us untouched. It's going to push us into relationships and places where we might not walk out unsullied. And the gathering of people who have been baptized is not a convocation of privileged, elite, and separate people, but a meetup of everyone who has finally accepted what it means to be in the heart of a needy, contaminated, and messy world. Baptism is a response to God that plunges us into the depths of God's love so that we can then be immersed into the lives of everybody else we meet. Jesus Christ immersed himself in our humanity. Thus, in baptism, you are now getting immersed into the life of Christ. And be careful when that happens, because Jesus Christ loves to send people out from the font. In Jesus Christ, we have a God who loves to send people. You know, lots of times we think that we find God. And the longer that I know this God, the the more stories that I hear, the more I'm quite convinced it's the opposite. God's the one who finds us every time. God doesn't just find us, God summons us and then sends us. And this is crucial if we're going to keep Jesus at the center of our life because without being summoned and sent to love other people, you and I run a very big risk. And I do think it's a risk. You run the risk without being summoned and sent of thinking that the place that God calls you is going to be the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. And that sounds pretty good for a moment. But that way of life will never ask you to love or serve people that you have decided are unlovable or unserpable. But if Jesus Christ calls you and sends you, then you're going to have to love people that kind of make you go, oh, hold on now. (laughs) I mean, it's fine if God loves you, but (laughs) I might have to work myself up to this one. That's what it means to be truly human, to love everybody. Finding fulfillment or meaning or purpose in your life is fine, but that is really not the same thing as being summoned and sent by God. I believe that you have a beautiful offering to give to this world that Jesus Christ is going to send you out to do. And I think it's so unique, it can only be embodied by you. I mean, that's like, that's like as woo-woo as I get, but I actually do believe that. And the problem is, <laughs> you don't actually think God would call you. So you create some persona instead, and you think, well, you know, God wouldn't call me as I am. So let me try and imagine the person that God might call to do something meaningful in the world. And I'll just try to be that persona instead. Don't do that. It's always 
a train wreck and it always backfires. God has accounted for all of your uh, <laughs> asterisks and called you anyway. So show up. Get sent by this God. When God sends you from baptism back into the relationships you have, back into the job you work, back into the research that you are doing, into the art that you are making, to the food that you are preparing, to the hobbies that pass your time, all of this is because baptism is when God does for one what God will do for everyone. Show them that they have always belonged in God's holy family. And God's going to show them that by sending them a messenger like you. You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.